Hello, welcome to a new episode of Bits of Berlin. And today we are doing an episode about Frauenloop with Nakima Steffelbauer. And I'm Tam. I'm also here. Hi, Nakima. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about Frauenloop. What is Frauenloop? So Frauenloop is an integration initiative that has come out of um, the need for women, whether European in background or asylum seekers from elsewhere, um, who are looking to expand their career prospects and train in more technical fields than they might have done previously to learn in a sort of common setting so that they can, without um, any specific expectations or pressures, um, explore the world of digital technology and applications and get the sense of how software works and how the software industry and businesses generally that depend on software um, rely on the skills and the abilities of um, technologists. And how long have you been doing this for? We are going into the third week of the second cycle. Each cycle is 12 weeks long. Okay. So let's do the math. <laughs> um, just about four or five months. Okay. So how, how did it start? Um, well, it started out of uh, the work that I was doing with Refugees on Rails. So I was working with Refugees on Rails as program director, and I was recruiting uh, volunteer mentors to teach. I was recruiting students who were interested in learning how to code. I was working on adjusting and modifying various different online um, curricula that were available for free. Um, and I was noticing that there were no women, there were no women, there were yeah. no women. Um, I was curious because I wondered um, if that was something that was being communicated in some way through the materials that were going out, or if it was just a matter of the right networks. Um, so I started doing some investigation on my own. I went to a few shelters. I went to lots and lots of um, events in Berlin, sort of startup events, refugee events. And I started talking to people who spoke English because I thought that was a good way to get a sense of university-educated, you know, pre-professional newcomers who had uh, potentially either considered working in international environments or um, just working in a more high-level professional sort of field. And I started meeting women who were saying, you know, I have a chemistry degree, I've worked in chemical engineering for however many years, and now here I am. Either I can't work yet because I don't speak German fluently, or I have absolutely no idea how to get started with work in this country. Um, and, you know, lawyers and various different professionals or people who, um, women who had a profession and had no idea how to transfer their skill set to Germany because of the language, because of potentially not being recognized, um, or, last case, uh, who hadn't finished their university degrees. So I started to see very quickly that, you know, while there are far fewer refugee women who are in Berlin at this point than men, um, many of the women who are here do have a background in education, um, some pre-professional aspirations, and for those women, very little aspirational training 
seems to exist because it uh, it requires a level of German that most of these women don't have or don't have yet. So um, I thought, okay, well, this is definitely interesting to pursue. Um, I started asking lots of the women who were already employed in Berlin, who were working in startups, who were working in businesses that had a technology focus, uh, whether they would be interested in coding. Actually, almost every one of the European women that I spoke with about a program focused on refugee women had the European women saying, oh, hey, can I can I join that group? <laughs> Because this would be what I've been looking for, and I have no idea how I can get this kind of training, or um, this is the best option for me because I don't have money to pay for it and I don't know that this is something I definitely want to do, but it would be great to have the option to try it. So this would your program would offer me the chance to try it and I'm happy to do that next to asylum seekers because, you know, that's great. So I was really interested in whether this could be um, a way to not only test whether there's interest amongst women, whatever their backgrounds, in getting more technical and being more exposed to the software development side of technology. Um, and I wanted to see whether, instead of talking about integrating different groups, I could just kind of put them together and yeah. see if it worked out. Sure. And for that reason, English was really useful because rather than having the barrier of some people being fluent and others not, everyone is speaking a second language mm -hmm. and everybody's sort of at the same level because they're learning the same thing at the same sort of level of disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so that's how I got started. Um, can you explain the curriculum a little bit? So it's a 12-week program, and how does it start, and then how does it evolve over So it's time? actually a nine-month program. Nine-month program. And oh, okay. the 12-week cycle concept uh, comes from, I think, the level of interest and engagement that I can sustain for a specific period, mm -hmm. and then there's a break, and then it starts again. And, oh, okay. and the concept was nine months in which rather than aim to say, you know, I'm gonna, it's a boot camp and I'm yep. gonna churn out developers. Mm. It was really conceived as, you know, me thinking, um, you know, I've worked as a software project manager for 15 years. So there are lots and lots of areas of the software development process that are interesting, that are in demand jobs. And most people don't know that those jobs exist because they're not familiar with the software development cycle and processes and tools and so on. So rather than focus on, you know, boot camping people <laughs> through tons and tons of cloning exercises and code exercises and then, you know, hoping that they get the bug and decide to become developers, mm -hmm. I thought it would be really great if I could focus on demystifying um, the coding aspect of software development and also including exposure to the tools of managing software development, exposure to the analysis tools and some of the different areas that are not as obvious about software development of any kind, mobile, website, that usually you would not have access to unless either you worked in the industry or you knew someone quite well who did. So the idea is that the first 12 weeks are focused on Ruby on Rails, the next 12 weeks are focused on JavaScript, and the last 12 weeks are focused on SQL. So the idea is that um, by going through the whole nine months, you have an idea of full-stack web development and what it's for and how one framework handles it. You have a better comprehension of interactivity and why events are relevant and how they fit into software, be it mobile, be it web uh, website, um, for 
any type of uh, product or service, and you have some exposure to the basic database management structure, search, and analysis processes, that's also super useful yeah. for anybody who's working with software. So you started the, the second cycle not too long ago, so you're in the middle of JavaScript. How is that going? Well, we just, <laughs> I was just encouraging the ladies to uh, branch out and be as ambitious as possible with their projects because what we're doing with this cycle is each month, so every week they're adding to the types of events that they're building, and at the end of each month there's a sort of display project that they've got um, that is a compendium of all of these events and the styling, and the focus is kind of you know, one day is new concepts and practicing them and getting comfortable with the syntax and the code. And then the next day is um, styling, getting familiar with different um, frameworks and getting comfortable with, uh, we're using Bootstrap mostly, um, but there's also foundation, there's also mustache, I mean, there's lots of things that they can try out and it gives them the chance to do that um, in a safe environment where nothing's at stake. But then each month they build sort of a new project and present it and then move on to something else. And they move on to something else, but the idea is that it can be um, an add-on. Yeah, so, so it building can continue upon. To yeah. Continue to build upon it. And I think by the end of this cycle, um, they're going to be integrating two different APIs. So they're going to be able to actually bring in other data from existing websites, which is always fun. And the, that's the biggest challenge, obviously, is to keep the projects, um, or maybe it's not obvious, but for me, I found that it's extremely important that for people who are not software dependent, like many of us, um, that you make the development process, the end product, as tangible and as relevant to daily life as possible. And it's not as obvious as it seems. <laughs> you know, if you're not living your life on your cell phone or you know, glued to your computer, then it may not make a lot of sense why building services, products, interfaces, using code affects other people or your friends or your family. And so it's really... It's really um, a big deal, and it, it goes a long way if you can come up with projects and um, exercises that genuinely demonstrate something that's relevant to the students. Can you give us an example of what one of those projects would be? Online CV. Oh, that's yeah. a great one. That was the biggest yeah. sort of takeaway from the first 12 weeks of Ruby. It was an online CV with as much, um, obviously not interactivity, but as much detail and as much extra um, styling and yep. um, information about yourself as possible, um, if possible, you know, presented in ways that you would not do on paper. Do the students come up with ideas or do you present some ideas that they can implement? Typically, the instructors present them with the different functions and the different concepts. And then it's their decision, which is usually the hardest part. Yep. It's their decision how they want to express themselves and how they want to organize their information. Um, and that is really, again, a learning process because most people have never, whatever their background, have never been asked to put themselves forward in this way. And once, you know, you've been deploying your data and you see that it's live for anyone to access online, it's a very different proposition to say, put yourself out there and tell us something about yourself. So this is a really cool and I think empowering moment. That's one of the reasons that project was chosen.
How was the reaction when you asked around for people to join this Frauen Loop thing? Was it easy to get them on board? It was really interesting and again um, an area where I I did not expect things to go as they did, but I felt like it was one of those learning moments as an American <laughs> being in Europe when I asked sort of social workers and and others who were working closely with asylum seekers um, and that population. I got a lot of sort of dismissals and, you know, they're not interested and, you know, they have children or they're not going to participate in these activities and, you know, they never do. And I just, I was really curious as to whether that was true. So I kept pushing because I wanted to investigate for myself. Um, and I found that it, in my experience, is not at all the case in the populations that I was dealing with, which were mostly Syrian, um, Yemeni, Iraqi women um, thus far, Afghan. And then with the, with the European women, I got similar dismissals. I got lots of, you know, they're not, German women aren't interested in technology. Yeah. And, you know, um, especially sort of in my age group, you know, as soon as they get sort of over a certain age, like they're not going to be interested in that. And Why are you trying to do this? These were like the social workers who were saying this type of thing, or this was everybody. Everybody. This was everybody, and I found this really interesting. This split because when I looked at, uh, I have a friend who's doing um, user research work on the Meetup platform, and when I spoke with her and I looked at the Meetup groups and I saw the kind of data that was out there, I saw this very clear split between the groups and the tech-related, startup-related activities that are advertised in German versus the ones in English. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if that has something to do with this perception that, oh, this group is not interested or that group is super interested. And in fact, there might be some language barriers. There might be some um, perception of um, who these types of events are for. If you think about hackathons and the way those are marketed, you know, that might have a lot to do with what, whether women are really interested or it's a messaging issue. And so I went to some pretty great lengths to make sure that when I was describing the Frauenloop concept and saying um, it's in English, that I told everyone, European, asylum seeker, whatever their background, um, that you need a passive understanding of English. You do not need to be giving lectures and you know speaking at length. You need to be able to follow um, a coach. You need to be able to read snippets of code, <laughs> you need to be able to follow along with other people who are non-native speakers. And I think that that's one of the reasons that now I have five or six nationalities, European nationalities, and then on the, so it's an even split. We've got seven European women and eight newcomers. So it's almost an even split. And then three mentors also in addition no, it's, to that? No, it's actually six. Okay. So it's three per session. Yeah. So that means that uh, to not put too much pressure on the mentors, they commit to once a week. And so it's three mentors coming on Tuesday evenings. I see. And then three mentors coming on Thursday evenings. And that way you ensure that there's only 12 weeks and it's not too insane. And if people have other commitments because everyone's volunteering, there's not uh, the sense that all will be lost if you don't make a course. 
And what is um, sort of the goal at the end of the um, 12, sorry, how many months did you say? It nine. Was nine. The goal at the end of the nine-month program, are you hoping that these women go out there and then get programming jobs or is it just sort of to introduce them to what's out there? Um, how does that work at the end of the nine months? So the way that I conceived of the Frauenloop program was largely based on my experience with the Refugees on Rails group. And what I saw with them was that after six months, getting closer to nine months, they're ready to apply for internships, they're ready to apply for junior roles. It's a question of how much they've been exposed to, whether they're interested in front-end development, they hate front-end work, they want to do <laughs> back-end development. Um, they're really into analytics and they've been exposed to a bit of the you know, freelancers' tools and sort of Google Analytics and they want to go more in that business intelligence direction or they really like QA and they think maybe they can start with manual testing if they've done some CS in the back in the past or they're at university which is the case for some of the ladies in Frauenloop um, they might have some exposure to Java which is usually going to be um, the most helpful thing for QA scripting so they really make the decision for themselves but they've had enough training and enough introduction that they can then assess hmm these jobs all fall within the area that I'm familiar with and then assess for themselves when they look at the job descriptions. So that's really, you know, where the Refugees on Rails group has gotten to and that's the goal for the Frauenloop group because, you know, realistically half of the women are either looking to shift roles and they're sort of eyeing more technical and um, just different opportunities than what they currently have access to and for the newcomers as I said, some of whom are at university, some of whom are not, they are looking for ways to leverage their new skills with their past skills and to try to sort of reinvent themselves and recreate themselves professionally in Berlin. So that's definitely the goal. And we started with um, interviewing, CV prep, all of these kind of you know cultural and to a certain extent, social trainings, just with the goal being that we want everyone to be on equal footing to be able to assess and apply for opportunities that they feel suited for themselves. Um, before we started recording, you were talking a little bit about um, difficulties because they don't get a certificate at the end of the course and also about the Arbeitsamt and testing and whatnot. Can you talk a little bit about that? The first exposure that I had to just how challenging it is for many people, not just newcomers, um, to switch countries and to get into the job market at the same place as where you left was with uh, one of the Refugees on Rails students who actually ended up building the Frauenloop website, which is super cool because <laughs> that was yeah. his first kind of um, public project that is quite impressive in terms of the numbers of uh, customizations and interactions that it involves. So he was an archaeology student, and he was studying archaeology up until the war in Syria sent him uh, away. And um, because he does not have a completed university degree, and he's now officially approved um, for asylum, he has to try to find his way, his fit into the job market. And much like a lot of people who are coming here and, and receiving asylum, being approved, and then being faced with the job market, if you don't have German-recognized credentials, 
you don't have, you know, they kind of default to the lowest recognized credential that you have, which for most people is high school. And that means you're not looking at the same level of professional roles. You're not really entitled to support and training that would enable you necessarily to do a more professional role. So for a lot of people who had seen themselves in pre-professional situations or just as students, you know, I'm a college student, I'm going to finish college. You know, this was one of the students who uh, I think like many others only after a year, year and a half of going through the asylum process discovered, no, you're not going back to university and finishing. You're never going to finish, you know, unless you are willing to take enough German to be able to finish your Abitur. And if you feel like sitting for the Abitur after your German is good enough, then you can see whether or not you can get into the German university system. If you don't have that kind of time, then you can do an Ausbildung in whatever you're assigned. A lot of people whose um, education was interrupted in that way, not just uh, this particular student, find themselves trying to decide how do I avoid being kind of Uh, rushed into a field that I know nothing about or an area that I'm not sure is what I want because time is of the essence, I need to get work, and my German is very, very basic. Um, and so for those students, there's definitely a need to do something that seems like it is in demand, it seems like it might lead to well-paid opportunities, and seems like for those people who are coming with a good level of English... Um, seems like it might be an easier barrier um, to entry than a standard job like they were doing at home um, that might require fluency. I mean, I've got lawyers here who are no way uh, considering uh, or being considered for uh, a law career, and they're trying to figure out, okay, do I start from scratch, learn as much as I can of the language, and in the meantime be under pressure to work at anything that I can work at so that I'm not receiving state benefits, or do I try to hurry up and learn something new that I might be able to use my existing second language for because, what is it, 43,000? Something like 43,000 open IT roles in Germany right now. Oh, wow. For 2015, I believe that was the figure. So it's it seems like that might be a good place to focus your efforts. Yeah, sure. Yeah, especially as, because that area is very untypical for Germany because you have this Ausbildung and then you have this paper and then you can be a car mechanic and without the Ausbildung you can't do that part and you don't have that kind of issues in IT because there are so many ways to, to get into this. But that's exactly why for me Frauenloop is interesting for the European women who are here because most of them don't know that and most of them have this perception that it is very rigid and it is very much like a traditional German industry where you must have some type of certificate to prove that you can be trusted to do whatever it is. Yes. And and the fact that it's not like that, I think, is, is really something that should be publicized as much as possible and it should not only be limited to English speakers. And um, that's one of the reasons that I feel really strongly that IT is such a broad industry catch-all And in fact, it encompasses, from my perspective, all of the industries that use IT and that rely on IT increasingly to run their businesses. And given that everyone wants more digitally literate, more computer literate, you know, certainly more software literate employees, if you can come in demonstrating not only an understanding of the software development process and familiarity with some of the tools required to manage that process, 
I would love to think that that makes you way more attractive as a candidate than someone who has to learn everything from scratch. Let's say I want to get involved with File and Loop as a student. How do I go about doing that? You can go to our website. You can send an email, reach out to me directly. Right now, I'm the only one <laughs> who's sort of running the whole show. So I would get in touch with you and I would screen you. I would meet with you personally and see what your objectives are in joining the program whether or not you can commit to the kind of time, because it's six hours per week in the evenings, um, making sure that there's some set sense of um, measurable um, accomplishments that you're looking for, because I think that's been one of the big takeaways from the first cycle and also from um, the previous work with Refugees on Rails. If you don't have a clear idea of why you're participating in this program, then it usually doesn't work as well for you or for us as if you definitely know, okay, I'm interested in finding out if I want to be a web developer or discovering what else there is to do once I know how to code a little bit um, or looking for a specific mastery of a language that you know you need to at first understand basic web development in order to get to. So people are um, free to join still at the moment even though you're sort of starting the second cycle or right now we have a waiting list you have a waiting list oh, so wow. okay. yeah we have um we started with 10 so the first cycle was 10 women went through lots of ups and downs we were based at the fab lab in berlin and now we're here at wuga and we have 15 women and i had to sort of turn down some and put them on the waiting list because the group would have gotten too large and that was never the the aim but um, ideally, it's 15 women per cycle. And the next cycle, I'll do an intake in February when we start with the next, the third cycle. But in general, um, the vision is to have everyone continue from one cycle through to the third. Right. So, but if anybody um, leaves at the end of the second cycle, then you would take more people in. Exactly. The I'd have cycle. the option to take more people in. Yeah. Um, although there, it ends up being a bit of a catch-up and it changes the it changes the uh, entry requirements because for the folks who are coming in um, at any point later than the others, they need to catch up to where the others are. Yeah. Does that mean if they come in um, in the third cycle when you're doing <coughs> SQL, does that mean that they then have to catch up the Ruby on Rails and the JavaScript or? For the SQL, no, because that's something sort of very, very different and it doesn't require a prior knowledge for web-based development. Yeah. Um, but for the JavaScript, it, it is. Yeah. And so that was very interesting because one of my mentors actually discovered um, a Ruby on Rails introduction and all of the different levels of the basics of Ruby on Rails in Arabic on YouTube. <laughs> we were kind of, yay, this is so great. Because for, for many of the women who were joining, um, who have... Uh, who have Arabic backgrounds, this is the best possible way to yeah. introduce them to what they'd missed because it ensures that understanding is there. And, um, you know, it's it's always great if you have the possibility of translating. That's one of the reasons we're, I'm so lucky to have um, multiple volunteers who are Syrian, who are Egyptian, who are coming with Arabic as a extra in their toolkit. Um, and let's say I want to get involved as a mentor or a volunteer. Um, how does that work? Same way. Same Reach way? out to me yeah. through the website. And I am pretty much doing the same thing with mentors as with students. I screen everybody, talk with them about what they're looking to get out of the program, how much they can um, bandwidth they have to put into the program. And 
just looking to ensure that we have as supportive and as low stress of an environment as possible. And obviously I look for a very high um, ratio of female mentors because that's something that is awesome if you can manage it. Mm. But I've also had some incredible um, male mentors and there's never, for, for me, because obviously right now I'm running the Refugees on Rails program, which is all guys, and also Frauenloop, which is women and the mentors are men and women. Um, it just so happens that to the extent that a lot of the women are people who are saying, you know, I've really wanted to do this for a long time, but I didn't know how, or I didn't know anyone who could kind of help me with this. It's a big relief for many of them to have women who are not just there to ask questions of, but who can say, as one of our uh, volunteers, uh, I'm working full time as a developer here in Berlin. I'm coming from Syria. I'm wearing a headscarf, you know, and there's not some cultural or other barrier between your understanding and my level of understanding. That's super helpful. And I think it's just, uh, again, about diminishing stereotypes and confronting people's expectations with reality, which is often very different. Role models are really important for, for those things. I think it's just, it's they are, and I think it's just one of these um, things that I realize when someone is all but jumping for joy at the end of a class because they figured out how to write a function or they made something work after figuring out which colon was missing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, and you just see that they just feel, well, I've had, I'm, I'm doing a series on uh, the Frauenloop Instagram where I just started interviewing women and taking a picture of them while they're talking and then sort of quoting some of the things that they say about why they're here, what they're hoping to get out of Frauenloop and what they've done or studied in the past And most of the women that I talk to, this is Yemeni women, this is Syrian women, this is Romanian women, this is German women, you know, they're saying, I never really either had the opportunity or thought it was interesting or um, felt like I was capable of accessing anything in a computer that was not visual or was not design oriented. And the opportunity to do that without pressure being applied as if it were a test or I would be, you know, tested somehow is something I'm, of course, really excited about. And then just seeing that so many of the women who try coding and get an idea of how it works have the response that, oh, if I'd known that this was what it was about, <laughs> then I would, you know, then I would have explored sort of lots of different areas related to coding. But I, I never had any idea, you know, this, this this black box of technical stuff. Yeah. And so that is really, for me, amazing to hear because, as I said, I'm not really interested in saying, you know, I'm going to turn out coders and they're going to be the best coders. But I am interested in empowering the women that come through the program to be able to say, well, I know how code is written and I know what the process is like and I know how it can be used because everybody does not need to be a coder, in my opinion but everybody can be so much more effective at doing jobs that rely on code if they understand what's involved in writing, maintaining, updating, and keeping current with you know, software languages, frameworks, trends, and all the rest of it. And I just feel like it's something that is very often limited to practitioners who are already experienced And so, you you know, the bar to entry becomes higher and higher because you hear people talking about, 
you know, frameworks and JavaScript. And, uh, and you're just like, okay, I will never be able to sort of keep up. And in fact, you know, you don't realize um, most people are sitting with their Google window, <laughs> Googling the same framework you are. <laughs> I have no idea either. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's something I really feel like uh, having spent so long in the industry, I want to share because I think it's, it's amazing that the industry is always changing, that the requirements for the different roles is always expanding. And it's really, really too great of a phenomenon, this whole tech industry thing, um, to keep it away from people who aren't lucky enough to know someone already in tech. Yeah, that's so relatable because I started learning with um, Rails Girls and I was exactly the same way. It was like, it was all magic. I didn't even know what like a programming language was and I would hear about it and it's just like, ah, no, like that's too hard. That's not for me. And then I started learning and it's like, it does open up a whole new world to you. And then you start hearing these words and you're like, oh, that actually kind of makes sense. And it's just something you'd never... You, you didn't know that you could be allowed into, you know, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's great to share that with other people. I think that, I think that's for me, probably the biggest draw and the biggest attraction to, to doing this work is getting the sense that everybody can become the example that I like to use is, um, with my students who are coming from the Middle East is that, uh, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East, actually, and my background is Middle Eastern studies. And so I was in Syria for a while, and I was in Lebanon, and I was in other places in the Middle East. And because I spent such extended periods while I was studying in those countries, I missed a ton of things, cultural and other events and phenomena back at home. So I've had the experience multiple times where someone is talking about, I'm from Brooklyn originally. Mm-hmm. So frequently when people discover that, they start to talk about cultural influences and rap. And I missed a lot of the 90s because <laughs> I was not listening to rap when I was, not much anyway, when I was in Cairo and Tunisia and, you know, these kinds of places, I was listening to, you know, Sheb Mami and I was listening to Sheb Khaled and I was not um, necessarily up on all of the sort of hip hop and the kinds of phenomena that other people were listening to. But when I got back to the States and I started to, you know, socialize with people who were around for those things and they'd be like, you don't remember this song? You don't remember this <laughs> rapper? You don't know of this hit? And I'm kind of, I was listening to Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston. <laughs> That's what you listen to in the Middle East at that, those years. Um, you know, but it's something you can catch up with and it's something that you very quickly can sort of realize okay this is a touchstone for everyone and this is how and I feel like that's very much the way I like to talk about technology with my students who are coming from what for the most part were super closed environments and you know I was in Syria in the mid mid 90s so I know that if you are perceiving technology late if it ever arrived as something that is only for certain uses or it's something that is very suspect because of government control issues. You know, you come to some place like Berlin and everyone's, oh, Google this, Google that, oh, Facebook, oh, WhatsApp. And yes, everyone pretty much knows what WhatsApp is and everybody's on Facebook, except the people from Iraq who feel like it's a great way for kidnappers to figure out exactly where you are and that's why you don't use it and things like that. You know, people pretty much respond to the idea that maybe you haven't been using the same tools online as everybody outside of your country, but it's just 
something you missed. You can catch up. It's like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> you, know? you, can, you can probably fill in the blanks. That's a great way to think about it. When I do the race guards workshops, it's really interesting, the transformation of the women there from, um, oh, I break things, I break things. And at the end of the workshop, they're, ah, I do this. And that's, <laughs> you can see the, the empowering of those women within two days. I think that that's one of the reasons I'm not, I have amazing volunteers, so I can't complain about, you know, it's, I can't take any credit for that. But um, I think that's one of the biggest reasons that I don't need to sell Frauenloop so hard because it is its own reward. You know, the men and women who are volunteering and are getting to be around these women who are learning how to apply these technologies to their own projects are like, this is awesome. And it's totally um, yeah. a feeling that how cool to be able to witness that. So that's, that's really a nice part of the whole cycle and um, process is that it's everybody gets something out of it that I think is absolutely worth it. Is there any other help you might need for Fraunlu besides mentors? Is there, do you At need the laptops? At the moment, we actually need or? everything. Okay. <laughs> um, we have been, I've been super lucky because the WUGA CEO and staff have been hosting me with uh, Refugees on Rails for the past months. And uh, with Frauenloop, when we got too big for Fab Lab, they generously said, oh, you can move into one of our spaces here as well. But we do need a space that's genuinely um, going to be available for the future. A central space would be best because many of our students are traveling from all four corners of Berlin. Um, we need laptops. We have old laptops right now. Newer ones are always better. And obviously we need funding. I think it would be awesome if I could pay my mentors because I think they absolutely should get something um, financial for the work that they do. And I can't do that. And I also can't pay anyone to do the social media and all the other management that I'm doing currently on my own um, unless we have donations. So as soon as we get our website update, which should be next week, um, there'll be an online platform for doing that. And hopefully one thing will lead to another. So by next week, hopefully people can go to frauenloop.de or .com? It's frauenloop.org. .org, okay, and click the donate button and Absolutely. give you all their money. Or laptops. Or, or la laptops. Money or laptops, yeah, or space. Or if they have a room, 15, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. And it just needs to be a Wi-Fi enabled room. That's the main thing because we, we do everything else. Do you have anything that we haven't talked about yet? I think it's probably important for me to say that while I started Frauenloop as a experiment. I have been so impressed and so pleased so far with the way that it has seamlessly worked as an integration <laughs> initiative because I kind of had it in mind as a reason to get women from different backgrounds together. But I really was very pleased to discover that most of these women have not either had much exposure to asylum seekers or They're asylum seekers and they've had no exposure to non-asylum seekers. And this is a real space that creates um, uh, a certain, I don't know, it's, it's, it is a safe space in a lot of ways. And so I got a wonderful, wonderful um, quote from one of my students last week who was saying, wow, it's so great to be in an environment where it doesn't matter what your background is and it really doesn't matter because it's not about that we're all trying to do the same thing and I just thought great that's what, I, that's what I was hoping for and I didn't know if it would work out and I really do see that it's absolutely not important given that 
the screening has happened and the women are in a very similar place in their learning, it really does not matter if you're speaking Arabic as your native language or you're wearing a headscarf or you're wearing a tank top or you're sitting, you know, in deep in a function that you just don't understand <laughs> because every, you know, someone else is there in the same place you are and that tends to create its own connections. So I'm really psyched about the potential for this being a model in terms of how to deal with integrating different groups. Is your curriculum online? Per it is. Chance? It's right now on Bitbucket. Okay. But we have the Rails curriculum is there and the JavaScript and we're working on the sequel. How did you come up with the name Frauenloop? I guess I needed to come up with something before registering the company. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was just the first thing that came to mind. Classic because, answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I really just didn't have a lot of time because despite it being an incredibly slow process to get the company started, it was um, I didn't have much time to make a decision and put it on paper. So I just thought, oh, something to do with computers and women. And it just came up and it made sense. So that that's how it came about. here with Abir and you are a student or a mentor with Frauenloop? Uh, I'm a student okay. at Frauenloop. Okay mm -hmm. and um, how long have you been studying with Frauenloop? A couple of weeks. Okay <laughs> and how do you like it so far? Um, it's really exciting. Yeah. I really like it. And when you first came to Frauenloop did you have any programming experience or any? No I had no idea about computing at all. I mean all I had idea to do with the laptop is to open an email yeah. <laughs> and check my email. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Or to get into websites and look and watch videos and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But how did you discover Frown Loop? Um, through um, uh, Refugees for Oils. And they sent me to a Frown Loop program. And I made an interview with uh, Frau Nakima, mm -hmm. and she accepted me. Um, what were you doing before you joined Frauen Loop? Were you coming from another profession? Or um, no, I was just um, studying Deutsch. Where are you from? I'm from Yemen. You're from Yemen. Okay. And how long have you been in Berlin for? A year. Okay. And mm -hmm. um, were you studying when you were in Yemen, or what were you doing there? I'm already um, graduated from mm -hmm. university. Mm -hmm. I got international business and in English. And what brought you to Berlin? Because of um, war mm -hmm. and. Um, It was really hard to stay there. And do you like Berlin? How have you found it here? Amazing. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What sort of project are you working on right now in Frauenloop? Um, JavaScript mm -hmm. and how to make um, to build a website and coding and change background, which is really amazing and really exciting because <laughs> whenever I wanted to do a, something with a background, I go to a friend and ask him for help. Please, can yeah. you change me the background? I want to make fonts and colors and stuff like that. And now I can do it on my own. Yeah, <laughs> um, I also started learning how to code through a program that helped women get into coding. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember I had the same experience. I, I was building a, an app and I was able to change the background from like white to purple. And I was like, this was mind boggling to me. Yeah. And I went to my friend's <laughs> place afterwards and I was like, look what I can do. She was like, that is unbelievable. And I was like, I know. Same I'm thing. So excited. <laughs> this is so cool. Were you also doing the Ruby on Rails part of the program before this? I did not do Ruby on Rails, but um, 
they gave me like a um, couple of tips. And when the program is over, um, is this something that you want to continue with? Are you yes, I want to continue. If there is more, for sure, I'm going to continue. Especially this, like this programming thing. Um, we can see more males in it and less females. So it's really a um, nice opportunity for girls to get into. Yeah, I agree. It's um, great to see more women getting into it and sort of changing the face of the tech scene. And um, it's so important. Do you want to ask us anything? Do you feel like you want to say anything? Do you want to advise us? Tell me anything. <laughs> uh, about like learning or getting a job? Or? Learning and getting a job. Okay. Mm. Hmm. I would say for learning, Google is your friend. So Google everything. Most things can be found on Google. Yeah, I mean, the thing that really helped me when I was learning how to code, which you've already done, is find yourself like a nice group of people to support you. And um, you can you can ask them questions and you can work on a project right. together. And those people will really keep you motivated and keep you moving forward. And um, keep at it. I mean, you'll just keep learning and you'll have your frustrating days and there'll be many of them. But then you'll also have your days where like really exciting things happen and you figure something out. And it's those days that get you through the, the days when nothing is working at all. <laughs> and okay. it's horrible. <laughs> but you get through it. And the most important thing that, even th that beginners don't, don't see is that even if you are working in the industry for 20 years, you're still Googling, you still yeah. have this frustrating That's date right. with, this is not working, I don't understand anything. Right. And then uh, y you go out and relax a bit and come back to the problem after a couple of hours and then you see, oh, I'm, I'm so stupid. <laughs> so this, this happens to everyone, not mm -hmm. only beginners. That's the thing that most beginners don't realize that everyone has this feeling, even after 20 years that you are still this... There's this, this, this moments with, I understand everything and this is so awesome. And then you have this, oh, I don't understand anything. Yeah. And, then, and that's that's the phase you go through. But that's... It's the, always ups and downs. Yeah. And yeah. You, you always do it for the ups because there are lots yeah. of ups. Mm -hmm. But I think people who have been in the industry for longer, they, they just get faster at solving problems. Yeah. Right. Like they see sort of the patterns and stuff and they know where to look for the answer and something that would take a beginner like... An hour would take someone more experienced. It like does. Five minutes. Mm -hmm. so. Like for me, when we were on JavaScript and CSS, <coughs> I couldn't find actually what was the problem. I went through over the work yeah. <laughs> from the beginning yeah. and they were like no just do the console thing yeah and it told you which line <laughs> i was <Yeah>. like really <laughs> in, the, in the browser yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. these things you learn mm -hmm. but then each time you learn it you like you use it for the next time you hit a button yeah. and it all builds upon the next yeah. thing yeah makes it easier yeah, yeah. totally yeah you, you learn from every mistake that's the thing yes absolutely Perfect. thank you for speaking thank you <laughs> My pleasure. We're here with Juana from Frauenloop. And um, are you a student or a mentor? I'm a student. Okay. Yeah. And um, how long have you been studying with or working with Frauenloop? Uh, three weeks. Three weeks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you started um, at the end of the Ruby on Rails section or the beginning of JavaScript? Or? At the beginning of JavaScript, yeah. Okay. And how are you finding it so far? It's very cool. Yeah. I'm like looking forward to have a finished website uh, where I can, I don't know, do something, make it into a blog or 
I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm thinking to make something related to music out of the, this website. So how did you find out about Frown Loop? Well, uh, I was at SoundCloud giving some uh, mixing lessons and <laughs> Nakima was there. <laughs> so I was the tutor then. Yeah. And uh, like we started talking, you know, chatty people find find each other very fast. And uh, she said, uh, like, if I want to come here to join. And I was very excited because I wanted to learn JavaScript uh, in a long time uh, and designing websites. So this was for me just like a, uh, like a gift. So I just accepted the gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you a DJ? Yeah, I'm a DJ and a producer. Okay. And I own a record label Yeah, called Dariki Records. Okay. It's based in Bucharest, and we support young artists that no other label want. Not because they're bad or anything, but because they're no big names. So we just take them under our wing and like we help each other. That's quite the the switch from doing that to learning um, JavaScript. Well, I I like machines. <laughs> <laughs> Really awesome like answer. uh <laughs> so it's a good combination i always liked computers uh and i learned programming since i was maybe f 14 but then like i had a break in in the school they tried to teach us windows and then i didn't like i stopped and i had to have a day job so what do you do you work in it uh, i speak like six languages so for me, it was easy to find a job. Uh, and uh, Dutch language is a very good market to to touch. And I speak Dutch because I lived there for a long time. And uh, I find it a good combination into this. Well, I, I don't think I could work in a bar because my back hurts and stuff. <laughs> like, and it's too much smoke. So like IT... It was the best choice for me at the moment. And yeah, I like machines. This I had have no problem with them. Like uh, we made them. So What brought you to Berlin? Um, music. <laughs> 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 well, the thing is that uh, Romania and Bukhar is the place where I come. Like it's very, it's a very nice place for underground music. But kind of in the same, uh, in the same time, it is very difficult to move um, because there's a fashion now. Like if you're at this certain label, then uh, whatever you are, somebody doesn't matter who, how you play, and what music you play doesn't matter because it's it's just a trend. So I felt like uh, I'm just getting stuck there, you know, like, uh, and I'm not moving. And I've been planning to come to Berlin since four years. And out of the blue, I I just quit my job. Like, you know, <laughs> I didn't throw like stuff. I wanted to do it because <laughs> it was awful company. And uh, in maybe a week, I got a new job here. And I came. Yeah, so now I work uh, uh, same in IT. I just do something. I don't know if it's boring. I find it fun. Um, like administration of a big social media company. I won't say the name. Now you're learning JavaScript. Mm -hmm. 
What's your goal with that? Well, I like to make websites. I uh, I, I made uh, our own website for our label, but using you know like. Um, It was very simple to make. Everybody saying, "Oh my God, what a website!" But <laughs> it was all on the website where I bought the, you know, the subscription, the web hosting. So they had modules, you know, to put them together. And I, I said, "Oh, I just want to understand how it's all written because this is this is a totally like it's a language, and I like languages. So like you just have to." learn the rules and uh, whatever, all the commands to make uh, very nice pages uh, happen. And uh, if somebody wants to learn this, then maybe I can teach them what I know. It will allow me also to uh, not to go to work in an uh, nine, like well, here is eight, eight to four, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nine to five job, you know, uh, and just to make websites from my own couch and uh, you know like this to support my myself better because then would have more time for for what I love to do and this is also something that I love to do um I get bored very fast so well music kicks stayed with me <laughs> for a long time and computers they stayed with me so I I just said like I'm gonna choose to do something that I it stayed with me it was a constant in my life so yeah computer and now programming and uh, music they are with me constant what has been your best moment so far at um, on loop it was when i actually understood uh like the how to write a syntax button and it did something mm. I, i think i was the only one excited in that room <laughs> i was like oh my god it's working actually and i sent the file to friends and i put their name there and then they were like oh this is so sneaky <laughs> you made me write something and then my name came so it was like nice yeah, yeah. And now on to the events section of our podcast. This Thursday, that is uh, November 24th, Code Debugging the Gender Gap is playing at 6.30 p.m. at the Asta Kultur at the HTV Berlin. This is a really great documentary about the lack of women in um, web development and computer science fields and what we can do to change that. So check it out. And on this weekend, starting from the 25th to the 27th, there is the FIFCON happening. The FIFCON is a conference of the Forum der Informatikerinnen für Frieden und Gesellschaftliche Verantwortung. And it's basically a conference about ethics and computer science, uh, security, and a few other interesting topics in that area. Yeah, and uh, thank you so much to Fallenloop for speaking with us. And if you want to help them out, you can go to their website, frauenloop.org. And there you find a whole bunch of information about how to support them financially through internships, through donating space and laptops and money and all kinds of things. So definitely go there and check that out and help wherever you can. Thanks for listening to us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.